All right, should we get started? Everybody here okay? All right, well, I'm Pastor Chris, and I came up here from Belle Plaine, friend of Marilyn and Naomi's. They used to go to my church a long time ago when I planted it in Belle Plaine, like 20 years ago, October. And COVID left that church without a place to meet. So they are still meeting, but not in a building, uh, not in a suitable building. So I'm in transition. That's why I'm available today is because I'm in transition on my way to another church. God hasn't shown me which one yet. So there's three that are talking to me, but this is just a perfect opportunity. And I would have done this whether there was one of you or a hundred of you. I don't really care. I just want to share with you today. And I wasn't able to bring anybody with me which means that I don't have a big worship band. I'm not Cornerstone Church. Uh, but I do have two songs that I gave you the words to, and one of them you might know, one of them you might not. But I thought it'd be fun if we just kind of did sing-along, and I'm not even going to try to lip-sync with a microphone or whatever. I'm just going to turn it up, and you can either listen to the words or you can sing along the words. But we're going to start with Amazing Grace by Chris Tomlin. And then we're going to sing or listen to When I Met Jesus by Emily Faith. How many people have heard that song, When I Met Jesus? You ever heard that one before? Is that new to you? All right. Well, I'm thinking County Fair needs something up with a little bit of country twang and good words. And she's got it both. So uh, worshiping the Lord with uh, hymns and new songs is awesome and praise. So I'm going to pray real quick. I don't know what kind of church background you came from. I don't know what brings you to the fair today. My guess is that some of you work here. Some of you are exhibitors. Some of you hope to get some ribbons. Anybody here hoping to get some, win something today? Anybody got, all right, all right, uh, sheep, goats. Um, so I also looked at this as an opportunity to share my 4-H stories. So I've never had an opportunity to fit into a sermon my stories of a kid in Colorado in 4-H, but they totally fit. And um, yeah, I get to tell you about Billy the Kid. He was my goat. But all right, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the rain. We needed that so bad. I thank you so much for the freedom to worship. I thank you that currently we're not sitting here uh, socially distanced with masks. And um, Lord, we pray that the COVID stuff would go away. We pray for peace in our nation. We pray that everybody would get along, that they would turn towards you and worship you. Lord, we pray you'd bless our time today. We pray that you keep everybody at this fair safe and healthy and that it would just be a great day for everybody who shows up and that you would bless our time together in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna do the two songs and uh, I'll start that with my, with my trusty phone. <clears throat> you know, what's funny is that COVID changed everything from things that a church would never do to, oh, well, we could do that because we did outdoor services and parking lots and all sorts of stuff. But let's start with Amazing Grace with is that somebody else's song that she sang? Have you ever heard that song before? All right. You know, they say that if you are singing a song that you don't remember where it came from, you probably wrote it. I don't know. But I was thinking, you know, that people who listen to country music, my daughter does, um, probably like, oh, that's, that's, every, that's an old song, you know, but I, I don't know. So, but again, I'm Pastor Chris, and I've been a pastor for well, paid full-time as a pastor for 25 years um, in Iowa and Iron Range and in Belle Plaine. I just love serving Jesus. And one of the great things about my life is that just about every experience that I have, 
I can turn into a sermon illustration. And it's great. It makes some people nervous, though. So I was telling some people that someday I'm going to write a book. But I'm waiting for some people to die first. And my dad's like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm not talking about you. But it just, it's kind of funny to say. But let me share a couple of quick experiences. And I want to talk to you about uh, one of the things that I'm passionate about. Um, you ever seen a dog show before? And the dogs, they uh, have to walk perfect, run perfect, be perfect, look perfect. We're into Australian shepherds. That's why I have an un unending uh, amount of dog hair on me. I can never get rid of it. It's just part of me. So we have two Australian shepherds I always have. And the <clears throat> one we have right now, Bentley, he, um, he wouldn't... Um, he wouldn't when he was a puppy, I was trying to teach him to fetch, and he wouldn't return the ball to me. And it was kind of frustrating. But he liked to watch TV. So the big screen TV we have, um, he liked to watch dogs, especially his breed or border collies. And he liked to watch like bulls, rodeos, cows on TV. So I was so frustrated, he would not return the ball to me. So we went inside and we watched an instructional YouTube video from some French dude teaching his dog to fetch. We watched that video for a bit. We went outside and Bentley started to get it. And I'm like, these dogs learn so much by watching other people, are so influenced by watching other dogs. Bentley was the first dog we ever had, big, fluffy, hairy dog, that has his tongue sticking out all the time. Not like a normal dog, but just, just part way out. You know, like this, mm, everybody stick your tongue out a little bit. Mm. It looks weird. I'm like, is there something wrong with the dog? Did he have a stroke? And the vet's like, no, he just does that to cool himself. So the old Border Collie we had, or Australian Shepherd we had when we got Bentley, she never did that before. But then she started doing it. Then pretty soon we've got two dogs sitting there with their tongues half sticking out, looking silly. But <clears throat> anyway, um, Naftali, she got old and um, her time was up. And so Bentley's been alone for a year. And I don't really know where I'm moving or what I'm doing next, but we decided that Bentley needs a dog because he's lonely. So we, uh, this breeder that we know, uh, finally she's having puppies. And so we went to look at this puppy and we're going to, okay, we'll be back up for him in eight weeks. We're going to come get this puppy. We thought we were going to do this before, um, but she decided that the puppy that was bred in a previous litter, uh, there was only one puppy born. And she said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to see if she can be a show dog. So, uh, so here we're going to go pick up this eight week old puppy. And there's also the eight month old show dog. But she went to uh, the dog uh, show and was the runner up. So she wasn't first, she came in second. And that wasn't good enough for the breeder. She's like, you know what? She doesn't, she doesn't walk right, she prances. Uh, it's not a good start. Uh, would you like her instead? And we're like, oh, really? A fully trained eight month old dog from a professional breeder, a show dog? Oh yeah, we're gonna cut corners, no chewing, no craziness. Oh, this would be great. So we bring her home. She's like crazy insane. She doesn't know any commands. She doesn't know how to sit. She didn't know how to go up the deck stairs. She knows how to stand pretty and she's really good on a leash. But everything else like that, we've been trying to teach her and she's been watching Bentley to see what he does and how he does it. Cause that's how often they learn. That's often how we learn is we watch other people and what they do. And so when people look at you, when people watch you, are you right now in the life you're living, are you a model worth following? Are you someone that is um, leading by a good example, living a good life? Um, 
Sometimes, sometimes we think that uh, God doesn't care about us. You don't know our past. We're injured. We're hurt. We're feeling pain. Uh, we've done things in the past. Uh, we have scars to show for it. Uh, you wouldn't want to know my backstory, they say, because it's so terrible. Uh, when I was a kid, I was about 12, um, my parents went to the Denver Humane Society and picked up a three-legged German shepherd that was about to be put down, and his name was Prince. And so I hadn't met Prince yet, but again, I was 12, uh, much skinnier and lighter. But I went into the backyard to meet Prince, and he pulled me down by the arm. Down to, he's, his, he had, his front leg was missing, so, but he could get around just fine. And uh, his fangs were filed down for some reason. I noticed that he didn't like people in uniform for some reason. I don't know what his backstory was, but the first thing he did when he met me, hello dog, he grabbed me by the arm, he pulled me down to the ground, he grabbed me by the ankle, and he pulled me from one end of the backyard to the other. And I'm having a near-death experience here. And my stepmother's like, ha ha ha, let me get the camera. I'm like, seriously, I'm dying here. And so I have this dog uh, in my backyard, and it's like, uh, <laughs> Can I trust you? What, what, what's going to happen here? Turned out that he was a great dog. Uh, I had to sit with him every 4th of July during the fireworks because he'd go crazy when there were fireworks. But Prince turned out to be a pretty good dog. And so, um, again, I lived in Colorado for a while. And then when I was in 10th grade, we moved to um, Minnesota. I moved to Marina on the St. Croix. Forest Lake High School is where I went for a semester. And... Um, that before that I had gone to Camp Idrahaji in Bailey, Colorado, and you worked there. Yes, and I will not pay for damages I caused while I was there because I was a nightmare camper. They would constantly tell you how you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, constantly tell you how to grow in faith. And every time at this Bible, uh, Bible camp, Idrahaji, I'd rather have Jesus, um, I would listen and um, kind of get it. But... Um, during the move, while I was trying to sit with Prince out in the motel parking lot, uh, trying to keep him company and on a winter day, I finally realized and came under conviction what it truly meant to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, to repent of my sin and ask Christ into my life. So with the three-legged German shepherd who at first pulled me down to the ground and pulled me from one end of the yard to the other, I think that was his sense of humor, I'm not really sure. But we were both in the car together, uh, the moving truck together, when I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that day. And I prayed something like this, Lord Jesus, if you are real, please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me. I want to follow you. Amen. And that started a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And that song that we heard about um, when you met Jesus is so important. And so how many of you like to try different restaurants? You, you go, oh, a new restaurant, let's try that. If you like to try new things, put your hand up in the air, okay? If you hate to try new things and you go to the same place over and over and get, just order what's safe because you think <laughs> that's the best way to go raise your hand, what, what do you do? It depends on the restaurant, me too, me too. So there was a period of time when I was trying to lose a lot of weight and try to eat right and everything like that, that I would go to the restaurants and I would look on the menu and I would look for the healthiest thing. So I actually went to Smash Brothers and ordered a bean burger that tasted like Play-Doh. And, or maybe it was Five Guys or one of those restaurants. It was terrible. So I came to the conclusion that, you know, part of enjoying creation and enjoying life is to take time to eat some good things sometimes. 
So now when my wife and I are somewhere and we like roll into a, a new restaurant, a new place or whatever, whether it's because we were traveling or because something new opened up in town, I'll try to look on the reviews and see what they're famous for. Or I'll ask the waitress, I said, what, what are you famous for? What, what, what's your signature dish? What do you like here the most? It's always so sad to me when you hear from the waitresses, oh, I've never tried that before. If I was the owner of the restaurant, the waitresses and waiters and everybody, they would try everything and know exactly what they were talking about. But when I ask guest speakers to come to my church and they're like, well, what should I preach on? Or when we have Crown College interns, we've had a few of those that have gone to be pastors and they're like, what should I preach on? I'm like, preach on whatever you're passionate about. Share with us your, your best. Share with us the thing that motivates you or drives you or guides you. And so I don't know if this will be my best sermon, probably not, but I am passionate about this phrase, connecting people to Christ so that they can enjoy a well life. That's right there on the top of your page right there, enjoying a well life, and that's an acrostic. Um, so I didn't realize that uh, there's a health food, the General Nutrition Center, that has that as their slogan. I didn't, I didn't know that. But um, well, worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving. And I just think it's huge that we have an opportunity to live that way. We have an opportunity to worship God in the way that he wants. So on your sheet, I've included a few Bible verses for worshiping. It says, a time, Jesus says, the time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So God knows everything you do and he knows why you do it. He knows how you do it and he knows your motivations um, and the things that you hope to get from it. And when we worship God with our time, I mean, really worship is showing God his worth. I mean, the Anglo-Saxon word is worth with a T-H, ship. And so we're supposed to worship God every day of our lives. We can worship God by obviously reading the Bible and praying and sharing our faith with others. Uh, we can worship God by the way we do our work and the quality of workmanship we do or the things that we um, grow, create, invent. Um, it can be really worshipful to have a wonderful garden or a perfectly bred sheep or goat or uh, cattle or um, what you do and how you do it and how you're thankful for it is all an act of worship. And it is very exciting that we can live our life with that idea. I mean, when we're singing, um, when we're uh, singing back to God, uh, when we read song or pray songs back to God about his creation and make a difference in the world, that is so exciting and so awesome. And we should live a life of worship. And you must prioritize worship because you came here today to a worship service when you could be doing something else. You said, you know what? Let's make a priority to get to church today. Maybe I'm pretty sure you probably have a church somewhere else. And they're missing you today, but you're like, i got to be at the fair. I'm working the fair. My animals are at the fair. My... 700 pound pumpkins at the fair. I don't know what you brought to the fair. Your jams at the fair. Do they have all that stuff here? Do they? Okay, all right, yeah. I'm from Scott County. We have a fair too. <clears throat> so, all right. Worshiping. Encouraging. Encouraging. Now that used to be evangelism because sharing your faith is huge. And, um, but I found out that when you tell somebody that doesn't go to church that, hey, you know what our church is about? Um, helping people connect to Christ and live a well life, worship, 
evangelism, <laughs> learning and loving, you get a big disconnect there from the people in our churchy. They're like, uh, you're going to take a bullhorn and yell at me? Uh, what, what does that mean? We switched it to encouraging and people are like, yeah, I want to be encouraged. Do you want to be encouraged? I like to be encouraged. It's so exciting when we can be encouraged. On your sheet there, it says, be joyful, grow in maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace, and then the God of love and peace will be with you to encourage one another. When we encourage one another, if you look also, skip down one to Hebrews 10.25, it talks about not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. That's one of the values of church. A good church should be a place where you're encouraged and you go to encourage someone. Now, I know that COVID made a bunch of churches close down and we had to do video, internet church and everything. And all of a sudden my job turns into me making a YouTube video every week to show to the church people that can't come to church. Did you guys experience any of that at all? Did you have to watch video church or, or not go to church? So um, video church is great. So I actually watched five different churches last Sunday. It was my first Sunday without a church to go, and I had to be on call to help uh, just in case. So I watched five different church services. They were good. I learned a lot. I was inspired. I was encouraged. I was lonely. There wasn't anybody there that, that knew I was there. I wasn't able to say hi to anybody. Uh, we need churches uh, to encourage each other. You know, there's a lot of different areas that people can be encouraged. So when I was a kid in Colorado, um, my dad and stepmom were in rock bands and they were busy. And so for a while I got to go live with a family that um, they lived on a ranch in Colorado and they had lots and lots of cows and uh, other things. And um, one day they were at, we were, I'd always go to the auction. Uh, never really, me personally, came home with anything from the auction, but there was this baby goat and his mommy died. And he came home with me and I bottle fed him in the morning and as soon as I got home from school. And so Billy the kid was my goat and I went to the 4-H meeting and got, they handed me a little manual. Do they still have those little manual guidebooks or workbooks for 4-H? So they gave me this, this little manual on how to care for your goat. And then <clears throat> if I remember right, towards the back of the, uh, back of the um, booklet, it showed how to make profit from your goat. I'm like, huh, I never thought about that. So, but it, 4-H was an encouragement. There were people there that knew about animals and, you know, were guiding me and directing me. And we can be people that guide and direct people in the Christian life. We can be people that guide and direct people to buy the right tractors, whether New Holland or John Deere or Fords or so. It's always fun when kids get to drive really expensive tractors. <clears throat> One of the kids in my church, um, Went to prom in his, in one of the family friends' big John Deere tractor. But encouraging, to encourage one another. We need to encourage each other. 4-H is encouraging. Um, maybe the things that you do encourage people. So I'm getting older. So uh, I have four grandkids. So three adult kids, four grandkids. And I'm thinking, you know, the best thing I can do in my life is to pass on what I know to the next generation, to pass on, to encourage uh, them to grow in faith and to uh, you know, share with them uh, stories about how I came to Christ and what Christ has done in my life. And uh, it's been really awesome. And we need to encourage <clears throat> one another. And music can be really encouraging. I mentioned Spotify and being encouraged, but um, 
In Philippians 4.8, on your sheet there, uh, it says, uh, Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You know, if you put that right next to your TV and actually use it as a filter, you're going to be watching a lot less TV. So we use the vid angel filter, my wife and I do. We don't even have kids at home right now, but we just have it filtering stuff. We have it filtering out words. We have it filtering out things that we don't want to see. And um, well, it's Netflix and Amazon Prime movies and um, stuff like that. But um, it works out pretty good. But what you get in your mind affects what you do and why you do it. What motivates you can um, either be helpful or hold you back. So on this ranch, they had an old horse. And if I was willing to saddle him up, I could ride him. And again, they lived in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, so it's not like there were gonna be any troubles. So this dumb horse that would never leave the barn. So it's like, oh, come on, let's go. And he wouldn't go. So I don't know what was in his head. I mean, he was fed, he looked well fed. But if you took a bucket of oats and <laughs> you showed him the oats, and then you walked in front of him, you could walk as far as you wanted him. If you walked two miles, I don't remember even what the horse's name was, but we're gonna call him Slingshot. If you walked two miles, he would give you a ride back to the barn. It was a good ride too, for two miles, so he'd get back to the barn. Somehow, he thought that was the best place in his life to be, was back in the barn. So you couldn't really get a good ride out of him. Uh, one day though, I did accidentally run him into an electric fence and I didn't do that on purpose. The pigs had gotten out and the horse was right there. So I'm like, oh, let's chase the pigs. And I ran him into the electric fence and I got a really good ride, you know, like a mile and a half down the driveway. And as soon as we got to the road, I'm like, okay, this is where I jump off. So as soon as I jumped off, then he's like, okay, we're done. But encouraging, what, what you get in your mind makes such a big difference. If you have it in your mind that you're no good, if you have it in your mind that you'll never measure up, if you have it in your mind that God knows what you did in the past and he can't forgive you for that, that's not what the Bible says. And you need to start to get into God's word and see what it truly says about forgiveness. See what it truly says about how he remembers your sins no more. Learning. Learning is so huge. I love learning. So um, I was a weird kid. I'm actually thinking that I was probably a weird kid because we didn't have video games. So again, middle of Colorado on a ranch or uh, I had a lot of downtime. When I wasn't doing that, I was a latchkey kid and nobody was home. So I had all this time and no video games. Actually, the first video game I ever got was a Pong game, uh, Atari Pong. It's like black and white, these little two paddle things and then this little dot that went back and forth. It was, yeah. So I read a lot. I read all the James Harriet books I could get my hands on. Uh, what were they all? Creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful. The Lord God made them all. About being a veterinarian. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, if I had time, I'd go to the library and just read tons of stuff. Uh, I actually did read my Bible a lot, but learning. Um, you know, I've been to a couple of Bible colleges, have a couple of degrees and everything, but I never feel like I've learned enough. And I'm constantly learning. Audio books, regular books, internet stuff that's good i pay the 20 dollars a month for youtube premium so i don't have to watch the commercials because there is good stuff to learn on youtube but to be learning are you constantly learning so in your job keep learning 
be a better be a better boss or be a better employee but keep learning keep gaining skills keep learning an act of worship or act of serving god is to keep learning uh, romans 12 2 says don't copy the behavior and custom of the world but let god transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know god's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect so we are to keep learning. Actually, the verse before that says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to keep learning. So I like to listen to audible books and I like to crank the speed up usually to like two, two and a half speed. And then I try not to talk like that in person, but it's just, um, I try to stack things in life. Do you ever try to stack with you, stack your time? So I... We'll go ride my bicycle like 20 miles while uh, having open air headphones that I can still hear the traffic around and at not a loud volume, listening to an audiobook. So I'm getting exercise and I'm also learning something that I didn't know before. I'm learning something about leadership or learning something about uh, was parenting. Now Jim Burns actually has a great book on uh, parenting adult children. So it ends with, <laughs> it's kind of funny, the book ends with uh, you want to make sure you treat your kids well because they will probably make your end of life decisions. <laughs> so they'll decide what home you go to and uh, how you're treated. So, but learning, to be constantly learning. And I learn from people. Uh, I do learn from some YouTube videos. Uh, I always stay away from the YouTube video that starts out with, I ain't never done this before, but here goes. And that's not the one you want to watch. You want to watch the one where the guy, like, disassembled all the brakes and the wheel bearings and everything like that. Uh, and then he put it all back together so he can make an instructional video and get it right. So if you see some guy working on his truck or whatever, and he's like got his breaker bar and he's pushing down on it towards the ground, like, like he's gonna break his hands, like no one ever taught him about safety, just move on, watch another video. That's not a good video for you to watch. All right, learning. Um, I've learned a lot from my um, parents, and I've learned a lot from uh, friends. Uh, sometimes good things, sometimes bad things. Uh, sometimes following along with friends can cause a lot of trouble. So, on this ranch again, I had a friend over, and I don't know, we were like in fifth or sixth grade, and this kid, he's like, you know what would be fun? Is if we went over there and we we put a little gas on the side of the road over here. Just, just a little drop. We set it on fire. That sounds pretty fun, huh? I have a lighter. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm not sure how much gas they ever spilled around this gas tank. But, uh, so sure enough, this kid lights her up. And I'm waiting to watch it burn. A little pile and <laughs> right across the driveway. Um, this is a dirt road. All of a sudden, the whole gas tank's on fire. The farm, big farm gas tank's on fire. So, and, uh, so we did the wisest thing we could do as kids. We ran away because we're in the middle of nowhere and there's actually some place to run. I mean, it was like a mile down the driveway. So we're like, no, 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 we gotta be responsible. We gotta do something. So we got, the, we got a garden hose and we pulled it out there and we tried to fight a gas fire with water and that didn't help either. Eventually the fire burned itself out. And uh, I don't know, we thought we were going to jail or something, but the caring people, <laughs> the parents there said, I'm pretty sure you didn't do this on purpose. I'm like, oh, I didn't do it at all. He did it. So, but he's like, well, because you both did it. And I, back then, that was a really long time ago, but I think the hose was $120. Like back in 1970 something, it was an insanely expensive hose, but they made us work it off. 
So like, uh, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, you both have to work off uh, that hose and pay for it and don't ever do anything like that again. And sometimes we think that when we get in trouble, whether it's our idea or someone else's idea, that we reach a point in our life where there's just no moving forward. Uh, there's no moving forward with God, you know? It's like, even if you end up in jail for a crime you did commit, you can still pursue a right relationship with Jesus Christ. There's still forgiveness. That might not make those jail doors swing open, but uh, eternity in Christ uh, with full forgiveness and all that joy that comes with that is available for even the prisoner. All right, so we've got learning and loving. Loving. Loving people and loving God. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandments. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then in 1 John 2, 3, it says, we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him that is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So it's easy to tell people that you love them. It's harder to make a commitment or a sacrifice for that love. It's easy to uh, <clears throat> go to church and act all spiritual. It's much harder to live a spiritual life because you love God so much. So when we're around church people, it's really easy to talk about Jesus and your faith. But when you're not around church people, then sometimes you shut down and it gets real awkward because you're like, I'm afraid of what they're going to say. I'm afraid of what they're going to do. I'm afraid that they're going to reject me. Uh, there's this thing called friendship evangelism where uh, the idea is you make friends with somebody. And then as you have a friendship developed, then you start telling them about faith in Jesus. And so that's kind of the plan for friendship evangelism. Problem is, is that sometimes people are enjoying the friendship so much, they're like, man, Bob is a good friend. He doesn't know anything about Jesus and his mouth is really bad, but he has a really nice fishing boat and he knows where the best places to go fishing are and I wouldn't want to lose him as a friend, so I'm not going to tell him about Jesus. Wow, what happens when he gets to the end of his life and he's like, hey, you know, we went fishing a lot in my boat and you never told me about Jesus? Don't miss out. If you truly love God, and if you truly love others, you're going to live out your faith. You're going to want to share it with others. You're going to want to help connect people of all ages to Christ and help them to live a well life of worshiping, encouraging, and evangelism, and learning, and loving. And as you do that, life will take on this new joy. Um, you know, I thought that being... <laughs> I'm not a pastor of a church today. I was, I planted the church 20 years ago and at this current point, I don't have anything to do. So they think. But actually I do because God didn't call me to just be the pastor of that church. God called me to serve him. I committed to give my life to him to serve him. So ultimately I work for him. You know, it's great when you get a paycheck from a church and you have a congregation and that's all great. But so what am I doing in my extra time? I am helping an orphanage in Santiago, Chile, actually the slums of Chile, La Pintana. I'm helping an orphanage uh, get their website back and uh, do better with their email marketing and helping the new director there and uh, helping with that. And I'm helping some other churches with their websites and uh, just getting ready for whatever God has for us in the future. But every day when I wake up, 
the question I have as I pray is, all right, God, what did you create me for? What, what am I here for today? And what am I supposed to do? And <clears throat> Romans 8.28 talks about how God works together all things for the good of those who love him and are, who are called according to his purpose. So when you end up in really interesting situations, like maybe you'll be standing next to somebody, you know, next to the hogs or something, and they'll be talkative. Maybe that's God giving you an opportunity to share something to encourage them. Thank you. All right. So, well, I'm done. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for these people. And I pray that you would fill their lives with hope and joy. They would be able to put some of the stuff that I've shared with them uh, into practice if they weren't already. Um, and for those of us who have been serving you for a long time, it's a great reminder. But Lord, there's so many people out there that feel hopeless. They're scared about the future. They don't know about finances. They don't know about health. They don't know what they would do if they were to die today. Jesus, you give us this assurance that if we placed our faith in you, that we're secure uh, in you for all eternity. So I just thank you that you've given me this opportunity to show up. I didn't know if one person was going to show up or all these people were going to show up. And I'm thankful for every one of them. I'm sure they have needs. And I pray that you would give them healing. I pray that you give them a job. I pray that you would give them a friend. I pray that you would give them what they need and that they would know it was from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, all right. Well, that's all I have. Actually, I have a lot more. I mean, if you want me to keep talking, I've got lots of stories, but pretty sure you came here for the fair, not for me. So thank you so much for coming out. And Marilyn, thank you for inviting me.